Good afternoon. I am Pastor Antonio Eubanks of Heat Ministries, where we believe in using the Word of God to heal, empower, and teach so that you may be properly equipped to help establish the kingdom of God and its principles in your families, communities, and world. If you're in the metro Atlanta area, we invite you to attend our Sunday service for a life-impacting experience. Please visit our website at heatministries.org for more information. We would love to hear from you. But for now, we pray that you enjoy this message. God bless. And we know what? From learning in here that Christ is what? The word of God manifested. So what is resurrection day? It's just saying that the word of God shall rise every single day. Amen. Don't wait to Easter to be celebrating resurrection. Yeah. You celebrate resurrection not only on Sunday, but Monday, <laughs> Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Resurrection day is every day because the truth will always rise. A lie will die, but a truth will always be eternal. Amen. Amen. So we celebrate resurrection every day. It's just, we should not have to take a prompting from the world to say this is the day. They change the days on your area. One month is March, one year is April. But we can say, no, resurrection is every day. Every day that I get up, I am a living testimony of Most High. Amen. 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 So we got to understand truly what resurrection is all about. It means to rise again. It's from a Greek word that means rise again. And in the scriptures, you know, a lot of people want to talk about, well, is there any proof to the resurrection? Because even in the scripture, it talks about the Jewish people, they had the, the Pharisees and Sadducees had the Roman gods, they paid uh, guards, they paid them off, told them, told them to tell the story that, you know, somebody stole the body, that he didn't really come out. So, you know, that that that. There's a whole lot of books and a whole lot of writing and theories and all that. You got one side of the house that proves the resurrection. You got another one that tries to, tries to go against the resurrection. But here today, I'm going to let you know what proves the resurrection. The Bible. It's that simple. It ain't number one thing you need to know that proves resurrection is true. And that is the word of God. If you, and and that, that comes through faith. See, that's the whole thing. This is the whole thing that we believe in is standing on the thing of faith. It's called faith, people, faith. And without that faith, you won't even be able to conceive in your rational mind that resurrection is possible. See, we get caught up in the, in the, in the cross. But see, Calvary, Calvary, the death on the cross, that expressed the love of God. But resurrection... Express the power of God. And how many know that he want to love you true enough? That's why he did what he did. But how many truly know that he wants you to have your power back? That's why he says in the word of God that you know that there are a lot of people who look like Christians. Don't paraphrase them. He said they look like Christians, but they lack the power thereof. Come on now. He said, yeah, you might be saved. You might, have, you might have accepted me as Christ and Lord and Savior. You prayed the little prayer when somebody called you to the altar. You were saved. You were delivered from your sins. I died for your sins. You received the blood. But where's the power? Where's the power? What proves the resurrection in your life? More importantly, what does the resurrection prove? See, the resurrection is the key to understanding all of Scripture. 
See, without the resurrection, like Paul said, what we believe and what we stand for doesn't even matter. It doesn't even exist anymore. We might want well to shut the shop down and go on. If we cannot believe in faith that Christ rose from the dead. Without that being true, everything is false. Everything is false. Every single word that God spoke in all 66 books becomes null and void if Christ does not get up out of that grave. It becomes null and void. But how many know that God is not a man, what? That he should lie. Amen. See, resurrection unlocks the entire Bible. It's like the Rosetta Stone of the Scripture. The Rosetta Stone is what they found to be able to unlock the hieroglyphics of the Egyptian tombs and the pyramids. Well, guess what? We got our own Rosetta Stone called the Word of God that can unlock all the mysteries that, that, that the world may call mysteries. But God says that I have removed a veil so that you can see those things. He says, don't just be satisfied with Calvary, but I want you to be seeking after the grave, seeking after the empty tomb. He says, seek after the empty tomb, because once you come in to the tomb like Peter did, and you recognize there is nothing now, then you will know that I am a risen king. Mm, See, this only that's the only thing that separates us from everybody else. It's the only thing. It's, it's, it's easy for, for something to die. But can it come back to life? We serve a God that is living. We serve a God that is here. We serve a God that is what? Eternal. He says that I came to give you life. Guess what? That's salvation. But did he finish with that? No, he said, I came to give you life. That's salvation. Take that. You can't get in the door without that. Don't get it wrong. You can't come in the door sinning. You can't come in the door playing around. You can't come in the door half-stepping. He said, if you lukewarm, I'll spew you out. He said, I don't know you. Depart from me. So take the life. Amen. Amen. Take the salvation. But he says, I didn't come just to give you life. I came to what? Give you life more abundantly. How many know that abundance is the power? Abundance is the power. See, we 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 go, we run past Easter so fast, you know, we go through the whole little rigmarole and the rituals and buying the buying the outfits and the Sunday suits and, and, the, and the Easter hams and the turkeys and the bunnies and, and whatever else you want to get. Then we run past and it becomes such a ritual and a routine that we forget really what it's all about. It's about the power of God being demonstrated. Being demonstrated. Turn to your turn to your scripture. In Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24. We forget what it's all about, people. We got to understand that the scripture talked about resurrection the whole time in scripture. Even in Psalms, in chapter 16, it says that the Holy One would not be abandoned and his body won't be decayed in the grave. And Hosea talks about the risen one being born, uh, rising up on the third day. In Daniel, it talks about that, that some shall awake with everlasting life. In Isaiah, it talks about... And Isaiah was written 700 years before Christ even stepped foot on the earth. And it talks about that he was wounded for our transgressions. Resurrection is the Bible. It is what we stand on. Amen. That's why Isaiah was able to say also in, in chapter 55, it says what? That the word, the word of God shall do what? It shall not return 
void, but it shall go out and do what it was purposed to do. The word of God is Christ. He went out to do what he was purposed to do. But what was his purpose? What was his purpose? See, it would have been easy for him to die and that would be it. Because that's what the whole process was in the Old Testament. They would sacrifice, you know, certain animals and, and all that, and they atone for the sins. They would take the animal to the priest. The priest would do his little thing. He'd go behind the veil and, you know, he'll do his little thing with God at the mercy seat and all that. Nobody really knew what was going on behind there. They don't know if he was back there asleep or if he was praying or what he was doing because nobody had access. Put that nugget in your head. Put that little feather in your hat. Access, because I'm going to go into that. Nobody had access. But yet still, that was the system. So Christ could have came along and said, well, I'll sacrifice, I'll lay my life down, and then that's it. That atones for your sins. But how many know, again, that that was not all that God wanted? God don't want you just to be saved. He don't want you just to believe. He don't want you just to say that God is my Lord. No, he wants you to have Access. He wants you to have dominion. He wants you to have authority. He wants you to have power. And it goes all the way back to Genesis where he says, be fruitful and multiply. That's your power. Have dominion and authority. Subdue everything. That's your power. But we were cut off. We were cut off. Luke 24, chapter 1. I mean, Luke chapter 24, verse 1. And it says, But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they came to the tomb, bringing the spices which they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, See, some people are going to be perplexed about this thing called resurrection. Some people are going to be perplexed about the thing that you believe in, the thing that you're standing on. But see, just because they perplexed don't mean that you got to be perplexed with them. That don't mean that you got to be caught up with them. Because, see, you got to keep on going. Because it says they were perplexed about this. But behold, two men suddenly stood near them in dazzling clothing. And as the women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, why do you seek the living one among the dead? Why do you seek the living one among the dead? The paraphrase, what you here for? What are you doing here? What are you doing here? I mean, because this is not this is not the purpose this is not this is not what you're supposed to be doing. And, and they even go into detail and let you know in verse 6 it says, He is not here. He ain't here. What you doing here for? He ain't here. And then they say the gospel right here. But he has risen. He has risen. But then here, here go the best part I like right here. It says, remember how he spoke to you while he was still in Galilee? Verse 7, saying that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of the sinful man and be crucified. And on the third day, rise again. In verse 8, and they remembered his words. And they remembered his words. See, we're walking around with a promise. And that's what those two men, the angels, was telling them was... What you doing here? You're not where the promise is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
If you're not where the promise is, you're not where the power is. What are you doing here? This is vacant. The power done left here. The power gone. What are you doing here? You know, we talked about that early on about all the questions of God. I think it was last year, late last year, we talked about all the questions that God asked. But how many know God ain't asking you a question because you need to answer? He asking you a question because he's trying to get the answer to you. What are you doing here where the power has left? A lot of us are staying and sitting in places where the power is gone. He said, why are you searching for the living among the dead? You with dead folks, dead people, dead places, dead jobs, dead in, dead relationships. Why are you sitting where the dead are when you're supposed to be where the living? Everything about you know that you're supposed to be alive but you. Jesus. Even your cells know that they're supposed to be alive. That's why every day they regenerate themselves. They resurrect themselves and create new life each and every day. Your own cells know. Your fingernails, you can bite them down to the nub, and then what they going to do? Grow back. Amen. Your fingernails know the power of resurrection, but we can't get it through our mind. Jesus. What are we doing amongst the dead? Christ even tells the one of the sons, let the bed, let the dead bury what? The dead. Let the dead bury the dead. See, we gotta understand the power that God is trying to connect us to. There's a power in resurrection. There's a power in resurrection. It's one thing to lay your life down, but it's another thing to pick your life up. See, he showed power in one. I got the power of love. I lay my life down for my brother. But now I got the power of God. I can pick my own life up and I can walk out this tomb. And I like how it says that when they got there, they found the stone rolled away. And see, that's open doors. And that's what I'm really want to, I'm drilling into is that it's open doors. See, some of y'all need some doors open in your life. But see, the doors that have been closed is because there's no power. It's like when you walk up to an electric door and the power out. That electric door ain't going to move. Why? Because ain't no power current flowing through it. God says some of the doors are closed in your life because you ain't connected to the power so that when you walk up to that thing, it slides open. And see, when you walk up to that electric door, it's got a little sensor. At the top of the thing, God, when I was a little kid, I used to think that it just was magic, you know, and I just waved my hand and then the door would slide open. I thought it was magic. Well, how do you know a lot of us think that about the Word of God? We think it's magic. We take our little scripture, put it in our back pocket, and we try to walk up to that closed door and wave our hand, quote the scripture, and don't nothing happen. Yeah. Why? Because there's a sensor at the top of the door that say, I don't know who you really are. You saying the word of God, you quoting the scripture, but you ain't acting the scripture. Yes, yes. So go back, get yourself together, then come and stand in front of the sensor and see if the door opened by itself then. That's the power. The power is connected. Paul talks about the fact that, that he wants to be crucified with Christ. He says, I seek after the resurrection and the, and the secrets of the resurrection. And the power that's flowing through that, he says, and, and, and I want to be crucified so that I can be more like him. Yes, yes, yes. All he's really saying, and I was paraphrasing that a lot, but all he's really saying is that I, I, want, to, I want to lessen myself. I want to remove the flesh of me. I want to remove the desires of me. See, as long as we were operating in our own desires, our own will, our own emotions, we cannot fully connect to the power. Yes, yes. yes. 
we cannot fully connect to the power. It's like plugging in a plugging in a, a, an electrical appliance or, or a tool, and you plug it in, and, and you halfway plug it in, you might sort the whole house out. Because it wasn't connected properly. It looked plugged in. It even started up. But then all of a sudden, it shut down and everything around it shut down. Yeah. And that's what God is saying some of us are doing with the power that he's trying to plug into us. Is that we'll plug in a little bit. We'll plug in on Sunday. But then on Monday, we start loosening ourselves up a little bit. Yeah. Then on Tuesday, we loosen up a little bit more. By Wednesday, we cussing folks out. By Thursday, we like, Lord, is it almost over this week? Friday, we like, yeah, it's time to party. Everything's good. Then Saturday, we tired. And Sunday, we drag ourselves in to get plugged up again. And wondering why things keep getting shorted out. Wondering why things get sorted out. God says, connect fully to the power, to the open door. Because see, the reason, the reason what the resurrection is all about, again, the, the, the cross part of salvation. Salvation is very important. And, and it, it was foreshadowed in, in, in the Old Testament with the people coming out of Egypt. They were delivered. Mm -hmm. They were delivered. But how many know that deliverance wasn't all that God intended? God intended for a promise. Uh -huh. A promise. And in this promised land, that was, that was to be milk and honey flowing. Meaning that things were going to flow properly. Yeah. Meaning things were going to go the way they needed to go. And then God even gave them instructions on how to do it. When he told He told Moses, don't hit the rock. I want you to speak to the rock. And because Moses didn't do that out of disobedience, he didn't get to go into the promise. Why? Because God says, when you go into the promise, I want you to be able to just speak things yeah. that be not as though they already are. And watch what happens. He says, I want you to understand the true power that you have, that you are a speaking spirit created in my likeness, created in my imagination to do the exact things that I've done. He says, but you need to be reconnected. So I'm going to send my son to reconnect you. I'm going to let him die on the cross. He's going to take all the sin from you. He's going to take all the things that you're going to do. He says, oh, he already knew what you was going to do in 2016. He already knew that. But he stayed on the cross anyway. But then he said, he said, daddy, that ain't enough. It ain't enough just to get them saved. They're going to need some of this power. They're going to need to get their dominion back. They're going to need to get their authority back. They're going to need to get the keys back. Yes. Because see, right now, we got the devil running around with stolen counterfeit merchandise. He running around with the keys. He got access to things that we supposed to have access to. He got dominion over things that we supposed to have dominion over. He got authority over things that we supposed to have authority over. Yeah. And the messed up part about it is he only got it in namesake because the word of God says he really don't have it no more. Because again, resurrection says that when Christ got up, he got up with the keys to what? Life and death. He got up with the keys to power. He got up with the keys to authority. He got up with the keys to dominion. So if you still let the devil run around with your stolen merchandise, then it's your fault. Because the devil is a lie. He only suggesting to you that he got it. He only showing you a figment of his imagination. He only showing you a mirror image in a parallel universe that don't even exist. And it's called fear. False evidence appearing real. 
That's all the devil got for you. Because see, when Christ was resurrected, turn to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. This, this, is, this is what happens right here. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And I'm, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Somebody said he almost had, he, 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 he about three-fourths of the way through. I ain't going to take long because I know they got food and all that. That's what y'all really want to get to. You know, it's all good, though. It's all good. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And we go into verse, uh, I'm starting verse 20. And it says, but now Christ has been raised from the dead. This is Paul talking to the, to the church of Corinthians. Called, you know, they believed in, some of them believed in resurrection, but they didn't believe in the fact that they could be resurrected. See, some of us will we'll believe fully that, that, that Christ resurrected. We'll accept that. I'll accept that in faith, but, but I don't believe it can happen to me. I don't believe that power that he had. See, if God is trying to tell you that if I can raise a person from the dead, what other miracle do I need to do to prove who I am? Yes. Wow. Pardon the Red Sea ain't nothing to compare to raising somebody from the dead. Yes. Loads of manna falling out to heaven ain't nothing compared to raising somebody from the dead. If I can raise what has been dead, if I can raise it and bring it back to life, and not only bring it back to life, but show it to over 40 and 50 people over a course of 40 days, and then 500 people over a certain number of days, if I can do all that, so I know it's not a figment of people's imagination, if I can do all that, then what can I not do? Come on. Amen. And then the beauty part is, God is saying, I connected you with that power. And what is resurrection power? Here it is right here. It says, but now Christ in verse 20, but Christ has been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who are asleep. Catch the first fruits. Put that in your head. We got access and then we got first fruits. Verse 21, it says, for since by a man came death. By man also came the resurrection of the dead. Verse 22 says, for as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all will be made alive. Verse 23, but each is in his own order. Christ the first fruits, after that those who are Christ at his coming. And then in verse 24 says, then comes the end when he hands over the kingdom to the God and Father, when he has abolished all rule and all authority and power. That is all rule and all power. What is all that saying, Antonio? Break it down. Make it plain for me. Because that's a whole bunch of words. What he's saying right here is that Adam died spiritually and Christ resurrected that same spirit. See, it's funny how, if you look at Genesis, Adam was, God created everything. He laid everything out. First day, second day, third day, fourth day. You got the sun, the stars, the moon, the land, the animals. Everything is created. God gave us everything. And then he said on the sixth day, I'm going to create this man made in my likeness, yeah. made in my image. First he made in my image. Image is the imagination, yeah. meaning that you was a thought in God's mind. Yeah. And then he said, not only am I going to think about him, but I'm going to make him like me because I want him to be able to do the same thing that I did. If, if I say, let there be, then I want him to be able to say, let there be. And then I want him to be able to say, it is all good. Yes, yes, yes. That's what I want the man to do. 
And to make sure everything is already prepared, I'm going to prepare it all before he get here so he'll already know how to operate in abundance. Amen. And then it says on the sixth day, he made man. And then on the seventh day, he did what? He did what? Who rested? Who rested? God. But it's a trick question. Because man's first full day of existence was on God's rest day. What is all that saying? It's saying that when God created us, he wanted us to operate in his rest. He wanted us to operate in his rest. What is his rest? See, we have what we call faith in God. Faith says that I know God can. I just know he can. I don't know if he can for me. don't know if he can for my mama. Now. I just know he can. Trust say, I, I know he can, but I don't know if he will. He, 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 he might, but he might not. But then rest says, I know you already have. Catch that. Because see, Adam on that on that sixth day on, and going into that seventh, he know God already had. There was nothing else left to do. All he had to do was take dominion, take authority over what already was. God intended for us to be in his rest. Meaning he intended for us to be in his finished work. And that's why when Christ came, he said that it is finished. Meaning that it's done. It's been reconnected. You can plug back in now. The power and authority has been handed back over to you. All you got to do is plug in to this thing and you can enter into the rest. Yeah. The rest that was denied you. The rest that was taken away from you. The rest that you lost. The rest that you gave away. The rest that you was tricked out of. You can enter back in. You can enter back in. And I'm going to tell you how God loves God, how he connects all the dots. Because Adam lost everything during the Sabbath. Christ gained everything back during the Sabbath. Because see, in the scripture, we just read about the open door. She came to him on, on the morning after the Sabbath. And it says the stone was rolled away. So that lets me know that Christ got up on the Sabbath. He was already gone the next day. Now, I know we can get into the debate whether Sabbath was Saturday or Sunday. It don't matter. Let's just say that it is a Sabbath. Amen. There's a rest day for God. And she came after he got up. So what Adam lost on the Sabbath, Christ gained it back on the Sabbath. He says, what Adam lost during the rest, I'm going to get the rest back. I want you to rest. I want you. That's how I can talk scripture and, and read the scripture and say that he gives us a peace that transcends all understanding. Yeah. Where does that peace come from? Because we rest in the power of God. Where does that peace that transcends all understanding come from? Because we know that God already has done it. We know that he already has finished. We know that all we got to do is connect back to what he's done. Amen. Connect back to what he's already done. See, and then I like how Paul he, was, he, 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 he gets rid of all doubt. He says that Christ was like a first fruit. And see, in the Old Testament, during the Passover week, then right before harvest time, the, the priests would come out and they would do what they call a wave offering. And they would take that first harvest of wheat and they would do a wave offering to God. And depending on what happened with that offering, if God approved or not, allowed them to catch a harvest. If he approved, they could get the harvest. If they didn't approve, they couldn't get it. Well, I like the fact that basically Paul says that Christ is a first fruit. Meaning that he is the wave offering. Meaning that 
that God picked him up and he waved him in the fan of the Holy Spirit. He put him in the censer and he said, you know what? He is like me. That's my boy. That's my begotten son. That's the one that's just like me. He said, so I'm going to open the door. And see, that open door means that he approved of the offering. So that means that Christ not only was the offering, but he then became the priest that was doing the offering. And he said, that's why he became one of many. Amen. We are the many. Amen. We are the many. Y'all be happy right there. We are the many. We got the first, but we are the many. We got the same rights. We got the same power. We got the same authority. We got the same dominion. We got the same access that Christ does. The same access. The same rights. The same authority. Turn to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter, yeah. 1 Peter chapter 1. We have the same rights, people. This is what resurrection is truly about. He's saying, I'm trying to get you something. I'm trying to let you know about it. Don't be just satisfied being saved. saved. I, Christ didn't mean he preached salvation only a few times. He talked kingdom all the time. And he, he talked about the kingdom being like a seed. He said some, some of the seeds are going to be thrown on, on rocky ground and, yeah. and, and, and thorny ground. Some going to be thrown on fertile ground. Let, let yourself be fertile ground. If you got rocks, kick them out the way. Woo! If you got thorns, pull them things up. Say, God, prove me away. Get all this junk up out of me. Because when your seeds start falling, I want to be able to reproduce fruit. Because, see, the beauty thing about a seed is a seed cannot even recognize its true identity until it dies. Because, see, when you put a seed in the ground, the thing you see is really not the seed. That's just the container of the seed. So when the seed goes in the ground, then that outside layer falls off. It dies. The flesh removes itself. Then it takes root in the ground. And it grows down first. Then it starts to shoot up out the ground. And now when it shoots up out the ground, you got the plant. But then that plant eventually turns into where it's starting to produce fruit. And that's why God says that that He's He's the seed. And he talk, He named Christ the seed in the in the Genesis. He said, "My that the seed shall tread on the head of the serpent," meaning that there's going to be a reproduction. There's going to be something, but you're going to have to die to some things to get this power. You're going to have to leave behind some things to get this power. See, a lot of us are not getting this power because we won't leave behind some things. We keep dragging the past from right behind us, and we're trying to go into the promised land. We're trying to go into the power with things from Egypt. God says, I'm trying to deliver you from now. I'm trying to take you out of the sinful nature. I'm trying to take you out of that thinking, thinking. I'm trying to take you out of that place where you've been in Lola Bar and you ain't had nothing. You've been broke, busted, and disgusted. I'm trying to take you out of there, but like Lot wife, you keep on looking back. What you looking back for? Is it something that you left? Is it something that you want? Is it something that you need? Why are you looking back? Why don't you keep walking forward, keep moving forward because it's something I'm trying to get to you. God said leave it behind because right here in 1 Peter chapter 1 it says it says right here in, uh, I said chapter 1 and verse 3 starting verse 3 it says blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead here we go. Verse 4, right here. To what? 
obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you who are protected by the power of God through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. What is all that saying? He's saying that we got a living hope. And see, hope ain't a wishing and a praying. And I talked about last week, somebody, if it be your will, God. Don't be asking God if it be your will. Know what God will is. Open up the Bible and find out what his will is. You ain't got to be praying no if it be your will. Them is fear prayers. The devil is a lie. He says that we have a living hope. Hope right there translated is expectation. So that means that I got a living expectation. My expectation ain't dead. My expectation get up with me every morning. My expectation Walk around with me every day. My expectation on my job, my expectation in my school, my expectation at the grocery store. I expect things to happen when I show up. If I don't show up, things ain't gonna happen. The party don't get started till I show up. Because when I show up, I'm showing up with the hope of Christ. I'm showing up with the living God. So when I show up, I expect things to happen. And that ain't being cocky. That's called being confident. That's confident in the power that you have. That's confident in the power that you have. They say, no, nah, you can't negotiate that. Why can't I negotiate that? If it's for sale, I can negotiate it. If I got, if I, I got favor, or for it says in the word of God, what? You got favor with God and me. Favor with God and me. But see, we got to have that expectation. Just like my wife, when she get on this job, that she's working at now in this new department or whatever, and a lot of people start, you know, the haters do come out. Yeah. The haters come out, how you get that job? Ain't you supposed to go to school for that? Ain't you supposed to do this? I say, tell them that favor don't require school. Amen. God don't call the qualified. He qualified the call. Amen. See, she was handpicked by the man who, who, who gave out the position. He said, apply for this job. And I said, well, you ain't got to worry about it. If he asked you, it's already yours. You just got to go through the process. See, some of us don't want to go through the process because the process going to cause haters to come out. See, ain't nothing like your dream to reveal haters. Amen. See, when Joseph started telling his dream, when what happened to him? He got through in the pit. But see, don't let the pit be your trouble. All pit is, P-I-T, is all that is, 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 is preparation and training. You, you, your purpose, your purpose and training. Your purpose and training. Your purpose going to be discovered. But see, you got to go into that pit. Because see, it ain't, what, what happened in the pit? See, in the pit, you can grow. Because you become a seed. So when the enemy throw you in the pit, say, pile the dirt on. Because I need some dirt to grow. I need some dirt to cover my head. I make this miracle grow while you're at it. Then pour some little water on it. Make the storms come. He said, because when I bust up out of this thing, I'm not only going to come out myself, but I'm going to produce fruit. People going to see what I can do. And they going to know that if I can come out, they can come out. So do what you got to do. But that's what you got to know. But don't say that if you ain't got the power. Don't say that if you don't believe in the power. Don't say that if you hadn't accepted the power. Because, see, you can get through in that pit and die. See, because to the world, a grave is a place where you bury things. To die. To never come back. To never be seen again. Ashes to ashes, dust to dust. But, see, to the kingdom kids, a grave ain't nothing but a pot and plant. A grave ain't nothing but where you plant stuff. A grave ain't nothing where you say, I'm going to leave it here for a little while so that I can come back and get it. 
and not only will I come back and get that, but I'm coming back to get more. Not only will I come back to get the life that's in here, but I'm coming back to get the life more abundantly. Amen. That's what the kingdom kids believe. That's what resurrection is all about. Plant me all you want to. Bury me all you want to. But all in you, your bearing is doing is allowing the flesh. Because this is stuff I need to get off of me anyway. This is stuff I don't need to be going anyway. So allow all that stuff to come on. Some people going to screw you. Screw me all up. I don't care. I need to be turned around. Some people going to grind on you like a sander. Shave all that junk off of me. I don't care. Some people going to hammer you like a nail. Beat me on down. Because the people I go, the higher I grow. Because like the redwoods, the trees, they grew the they The roots as tall as the tree is tall. So bear yourself on down. So that all that stuff can come off of you. So that you can do what? Have the power. Yes. Have the power because we have a living hope. And it says that it's through the resurrection. And then he says to obtain the inheritance. And we talked about that last week that that's taking us from children of God. It ain't enough to be children of God. Yeah, you're a child. You came on in. Now grow up and become what? A son of God. Because the children don't have access. They have no more access than a slave. When the father dies, the children and the slaves get equal distribution. But when the father dies and there's a son in the house, the son decides who gets what because it all comes to him. God says, be a son so that you can get your inheritance. So that you can get your full inheritance. And then you say, this is not even perishable. This ain't going to die because it can't die. It won't die. Like they, you know, God say that His word and His promise and His resurrection is like baby kids. They don't die. They what multiply. I know some of y'all younger folk don't even know who baby kids is, but if they don't die. They multiply. Uh, they like roaches. Then how about that? God's promise is like roaches. The more you try to get rid of it, the more I'm seeing they're gonna show up. Amen. It gives access. But see, Satan, Satan, he ain't gonna, he don't care about us being all religious about this thing. And I'm closing up right here. He doesn't care about us being religious about all this stuff. He don't care. He likes us doing the works of man. He likes us doing all this stuff. But see, what he's against is us resting. He don't want us to rest. See, even in the garden, he's sitting there looking behind. He see Adam and the woman and they in the rest of God. And he come to disturb that rest with what? Doubt. Surely you won't die. Surely you won't die. Ain't it funny he talked about death to people who had what? Immortal life, eternal life. But then as soon as they did what he had them to do, they lost it. They were cut off from what? The tree of life. They were cut off from the tree of life. And now they became caught up in eternal death. Until Christ came and said, you know what? No, I'm going to reestablish eternal life. I'm going to give you back your inheritance. You were tricked out of your inheritance like Jacob did Esau. But now I'm going to restore some things. I'm going to return some things. God says, I'm going to make some things happen to you. There's some people that have lost some things. But God says, no, it is time now for you to walk in my rest. Quit trying to manipulate. Quit trying to turn things around yourself. Because all manipulation is is one step away from witchcraft. He says, don't operate in that thing. Quit trying to twist and turn that thing on your own. He says, operate in my rest. Amen. Turn lastly right here to Hebrews chapter 4. 
Right here. We're closing out. Right here. Hebrews chapter 4. And I hope you're understanding this power that we operate in just a little bit better. Of course, it could, we could, we could talk about resurrection from here till Jesus do come back and we still wouldn't cover it all. So I'm really only glossing the surface. As I always tell you, study to show yourself approved. Ask God to reveal, like Paul said, reveal to me even more the power of resurrection. Cause see, there's resurrection power. That means life power. That means things that appear to be dead in your life. You can call those things back to life. Yes, now, but hold up now. Don't be calling everything back. Because yeah. <laughs> see, some of that stuff that's dead in your life, it needs to stay dead. But you down there resuscitating and giving <laughs> CPR, blowing on one, two, three. God say, the reason why I won't let that thing come back to you because it's supposed to be gone. Yeah. It's supposed to be dead. We keep on trying to have revivals and God said, I don't want you to revive nothing. It's time for revolution. It's time to change some things. A, a revolution is an idea whose time has come. It's an idea that time has come now and you're still trying to revive things. Revive meaning it's dead, that it's gone, that it's old, that I don't want it no more. He said, no, it's time for revolution. See, the thing is, Christ didn't, Christ didn't go through a revival. It was a resurrection, which is almost like a revolution. It says, rise. Rise. That's what you do in a revolution. Things rise up. The people rise up. The natives rise up. The Falcons don't. Amen. <laughs> I know I'm almost finished now. Amen. Here we go. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 9. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 9. And this is where we finish it. It says, so there. I'm going to start at verse 8 because I like to tie it all in. Here you go. It says, for if Joshua had given them rest, he would not have spoken of another day after that. What is he saying right there? He's saying the promised land wasn't even the rest. He said, because if Joshua had brought them in there and, he, and that was it. He wouldn't say nothing else about another risk. So it's even more to, to it. In verse 9 it says, So there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. Verse 10, For the one who has entered his rest has himself also rested from his works as God did from his. What does verse 10 say? When you enter that rest of God, then you knowing that he's already done it. I ain't got to manipulate. I ain't got to hook and crook. I ain't got to make it happen. I ain't got to do this. Now don't get me wrong. I'm not saying you sit around and don't do nothing, but, but you're doing things in the will of God. If God say move, you move. If he say sit down, you sit down. If he say talk, you talk. But you're not doing stuff. When it says see from your works, that means trying to do things on your own according to your word, according to your will, according to your power. Your will, your word, your power ain't got no power. Woo! Yes. Because just like Joshua, if it did, you wouldn't be talking about something else. Right. Amen. Verse 11, he says, therefore, let us be diligent. Diligent. See, that's the work we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be working to get to the rest, not just working around and being busy and all that. See, we, we got a whole bunch of Martha's like we talked about, running around, looking busy, doing all that kind of stuff. Jesus sitting right in your presence, but you won't sit down. I mean, you got a whole bunch of Martha's just running around, being busy, doing everything while Mary's sitting there taking it all in. It says, therefore, let us be diligent. To enter that rest. Well, how do you be diligent when I'm waiting on my prayers? When I'm waiting on my prayers to be answered? I'm waiting on God to do what he said he was going to do. What does a waiter do when you go to the restaurant? 
He serve you. He don't sit down at the table with you. He take your order. What does he do? He take your order. He take it back to the kitchen. Amen. And then what? Out of the kitchen comes your order if they get everything right. Well, that's all God is saying to do. He's saying, now I need you to sit here and you need to wait. You need to wait on my Sabbath rest, meaning that you be diligent in your serving. You be diligent in who you're talking to. You be diligent in reading the scripture. You be diligent in your prayer. I want you to wait the table of God. He said, now I'm going to prepare a table in the midst of your enemies. So it might be some haters that you got to serve. It might be some people that you don't want to be around. He said, but you keep on serving anyway. You keep on walking anyway. You keep on talking anyway. You keep on doing anyway. Be diligent in what you're doing. Be diligent in it. Why does he say be diligent? He says, be diligent to enter the rest. Why? So that no one will fall through following the same example of disobedience. He said, be diligent. Be diligent so that you won't fall. It says in the last days that the very elect will, will fall away. What does all that mean? It means that in these last days that we are living in, because we are living in the last days, people, believe it or not. The very elect, the very people that God has selected, the very people that God has promised some things to, will begin to fall away because the over here sounds better. The glitter is better over here. The grass is greener over here. But God says, I have an inheritance that shall not perish. All these things may be lifted up, but they shall fall down. Just like Dagon did when they came into the temple. They saw he had done toppled over because there was no way that he could stand before the presence of God. God says, my truth shall do what? Hit the ground, but it shall always rise up. That is the power of the resurrection. That is what we have. Paul said that we share in that power. So if there's some things in your life according to the will of God that need to be alive, you speak to those things.